0: Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 95 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, a huge thank you to Dan Morton for appearing on last week's episode. And a happy new year to both him and to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Brian. How are things on the Angelo side of the world? Well, we had a snow day today, so we all got to stay home. Well, no, 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 no. Some of us had a snow day today. Others had to trek to work and uh,
1: complete uh, their given tasks. I have kids, right? So, like, snow days with kids uh, are more work than actually going to work. Yeah, I'd believe that. But you just throw a ball into a snowbank and have them chase it, right? Yeah. Well, look, I decided I'd teach them a bit about the internet. So, we watched the movie about the internet today uh, called Did you Wrecks oh. the Internet.
0: <laughs> I was hoping you show them Sandra Bullock's The Net.
1: No, no, too bad. Uh, what a fun movie. I it re- is. It yeah. is. I really like how they portray the internet in it. And now I'm picturing a little version of me talking to you somewhere in like a Skype building online.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, My avatar is really handsome and cute and fun. It's uh, all the things that you'd ever want out of the, uh, you know, the internet. So did you enjoy the movie? Yes.
1: Very much. Yeah. I, and I have to say the best part was the part with the princesses. Yes. Uh, Really well done. I also enjoyed the song. Yeah, it, it the whole anyway, the whole thing uh, was great, but the princesses stole the show like they always do in Disney movies. And what's funny is we also watched the Frozen 2 trailer today. Yes. And there's a bit of an Easter egg in the movie about Frozen 2 uh, at the end after the credits. Kind of funny. Don't want to spoil it for you, but we watched the actual Frozen 2 trailer today. So you had a, a day filled with nostalgia. Uh one could say that. I have to say that wreck Ralph does bring out the nostalgia in me. I, it makes me think of arcades. It makes me think of video games. Um, something I miss is actually going to an arcade to play video games. That's not something that really exists anymore. And uh, thinking about that, we kind of thought it'd be fun to look at the rituals we've done and lost with the newfangled technology we deal with.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we've made a list of things that we've grown up with that your kids wouldn't necessarily know about um, right off the top of the bat. Some of these options are still available um, to kids your age, but it's not necessarily the first thing they go to.
1: Well, just the fact that they, we decided to buy a Wreck-It Ralph today and all I did was press a button and enter a password and there we had it on our TV without having to leave the house in all this snow. Yeah, it is
0: uh, a great marvel. One of the things I'm gonna talk about actually is uh going to buy uh CDs, uh, you know, albums, uh records, uh vinyls as a friend of mine likes to joke about.
1: I okay, so even though I'm older than you and I did uh start the eighties, like I was at there at the beginning of the eighties, I never actually really used vinyls too much. Like I never bought went to the record store to buy a vinyl. Like when I started buying music In CD form, really. I bought some cassettes, but mostly in CD forms. Like, once I was a teenager, CDs were quite prevalent. I actually got a CD player for my 16th birthday, and I really started buying CDs very much at that point. I did play vinyl discs. Is that what they're called? Vinyl discs? Vinyl records? Sure. Vinyl records. One of the ones I played the most was the original Star Wars uh, soundtrack. Which I feel like we talked about um, when we talked about uh, audiophiles. Maybe we did. I don't know. That was such a long time ago. Uh, that episode actually got me to discover Rick Beato. So uh, kudos to that episode. Thank you, audiophiles everywhere. A man that you continually bring up to me on a near daily basis. He's great. He's so genuine. Like if he's faking his, his joy when he talks about music, he should win an Oscar. Let's talk about the actual physical ritual of buying an album, though. Let's let's bring it back to that, shall we? Yeah, I, I had a few places I would go to uh, once uh, I graduated high school and was in college. There was a huge HMV downtown where I used to go to school, and I would go there the most often. Like I was there at least three or four times a week. Did they know you by name? They did not because it was a huge store. I did okay. have a goal to maybe work there because all the cool kids worked at a music store. And I did end up working in a quasi music store, meaning I worked in the music section of a big box tech store.
0: So uh, holding CDs in your hand post-purchase, you know, uh, there are a couple of annoying things, right? So that uh, cellophane cover that was often hard to get off.
1: I learned the trick to open that once I started working in a music store because I was trying to frantically open a disc for somebody that wanted to listen to it before buying, which is something people used to do. And uh, one of my colleagues came over, she ripped the disc out of my hand, swiped it against the hard table, and voila, it opened. It was, I was about to say,
0: the the trick of, of uh, 45 degrees off of a solid surface.
1: Yeah, it it blew my mind.
0: I feel like it's almost like analogous, right? So the idea of uh, trying before buying, like going to a listening station, is now just going to YouTube and typing in whatever song
1: you want to hear? Or because you're you're subscribed to a music service, you just listen to the song you want to hear. Sure, either or.
0: Uh, there's also the idea of uh, mix tapes, right? I don't know if you made mixtapes when you were a kid.
1: All the time, because when I first started listening to discs, I didn't have a Discman or any sort of portable CD player, so I did still rely on my Walkman. And I had a really good uh, stereo system where uh, making tapes from discs was super easy. You actually just pressed the button and it would take care of the whole thing for you.
0: Uh, Shouts out to my Radio Shack brand realistic uh, boombox, which I was running a line into the microphone from my CD player in order to put songs on. They've also recorded songs
1: off of the radio, too. I didn't do that too often, actually. I found it irritating that they would get interrupted by the uh, radio station call sign. Oh, I didn't mind that. No, you you yeah, you like it? It added part, part of the charm to the idea of like this existed in another place. Uh, along the same lines, did you record any coast-to-coast AM? No, I did not. Those were entirely too long, my friend. Okay. Well, just bits and pieces. Anytime John Hoag would be there or uh, <laughs> Richard C. Hoagland, you'd record no, those. now? No. Uh,
0: my no. Uh, stop bringing up my favorites. Uh, I don't want to talk about them this episode. Uh, there are so many things, you know. It's it's like um, uh, audio components, video components, how we record things, right? From like uh, dealing with like a you know, smaller uh, physical uh, tape and film and magnetic tape and splicing things together to uh, digital uh, audio workstations. Remember the days we used to record this podcast on my Tascam 4-track? So the funny thing is I still have one kicking around somewhere.
1: Once I moved from 4-track recording to uh, GarageBand, which was my first uh, digital audio workstation, we've talked about this before, but my mind was blown and my mind continues to be blown 15 years later when I use Logic Pro to like do this podcast.
0: Right, EQing, strip silencing, uh, so many other things. Compressors, which you love to talk about. Actually, you know what, we should do a bonus episode where you just describe all the different compressors you use and I pretend to care.
1: I kind of talk it up too much. I literally the use one uh, Logic compressor that, that I actually like the default. It's actually known as a decent. File. It's very light compressor. It's actually pretty you good. There's one on my file. One on your Yeah, AM. Logic comes with a few compressors. Or uh, Logic. The one uh, Logic compressor that I'm too much I like the sound. And one on the main podcast file. <laughs>
0: Double density. Something I wanted to talk about is the way in which uh, the society we live in um, has sort of eliminated a lot of the rituals that we've undertaken when it comes to our favorite albums, our favorite movies, um, even our favorite books, right? And the idea of of the quest has kind of been diminished when everything, like you were saying before, like you bought Ralph Rex the internet, and it went like five seconds?
1: Yeah, I, I just pressed the button on Apple TV and uh, put in my password uh, with my phone, and done didn't have a problem streamed perfectly looks great and i like in uh, a simpler time we would have walked to the video store or driven to the video store or i would have taken my bike to the video store right and i was kind of joking with you that i have like a plan to maybe anytime my kids want to watch something on netflix they have to arbitrarily walk or ride their bike to some random location and then come back and then they'll get to watch it
0: i think it's a good idea do you know what dick jockers are (laughs) that sounds dirty No, it is people who uh, use fitness apps in order to track their running and they, uh, they run, uh, making the formation of a penis. See, it is dirty. <laughs> yeah, well, so, sort of but not, right? So I think the idea is like you should make your kids run in different shapes in order for them to be able to watch these things. Um, the reason I bring up the ritual, though, is and, and it's kind of like what you were describing, right? It's the idea of peaks and valleys in consumption. So the idea that when you go to the video store, when you go to the record store, you, you hit a certain kind of peak in your idea, in your desire, in your want to do this. In this digital age, I feel like it's all kind of like flat and relative and all choice is the same, right? Because there's this like weird thing that happens when you're on your phone, you're, you're like you're literally just, you know, using your thumb on a piece of glass in order to choose something, and I feel like uh, it's democratized the idea of choice, but it's also taking away the desire um, to consume in different ways. What's funny is I,
1: I don't know if it's just something I do. I'm sure there are people out there that try to do this. I, I limit myself in a way when I'm using. Let's use Apple Music as an example or Spotify. I try to limit myself to choosing a few albums during the day to listen to. I rarely listen to playlists. I've ta- told you about this. And I, I can't let go of listening to albums. I like the idea of choosing an album, listening to it. And it's another reason why I'm not super keen on the home pod. I like the visual aspect of choosing an album to listen to. If you know what I mean.
0: No, I totally get what you mean. Um, I, you like the uniformity of the idea of a start to finish kind of process.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other thing I really miss though, and you can't get this very easily with Apple Music or, or Spotify, uh, obviously you can look at lyrics, but I miss liner notes. I used to love cracking open a disc, putting it in, sitting down on my bed, listening to it and going through the liner notes, seeing who played on what track, uh, if there were lyrics. Always, there was all some interesting artwork and uh, I miss that quite a bit. I think a lot of people do. And I think that like um, it created a more complete
0: experience, right? Where like you can't look at lyrics, uh, you can't look at like PDF book lists, but I feel like it's not the same tactile sort of thing that you would enjoy. And I think that's all part of the quest that I'm describing, right? The idea of the acquisition of something that you're interested in and spending time with it in a way that's active and not passive because these are all passive things. Um, uh, putting a song on and then closing your phone. Uh, isn't the same as, you know, sitting there and reading, a, a, you know, uh, the, the liner notes or things like that. I feel like, um, there's a large uh, chunk of that missing that I feel like, um, sort of makes. Uh, the time in which we spend with certain objects kind of of go more quickly. Like, you know, because of the fact that like you get to see uh, new albums get released every single week, you get new choices every single week, right? You get bombarded. And so you have to move at a faster and faster pace in order to uh, keep up with what's current or keep up with what might interest you.
1: It's the thing we, we always refer to as decision paralysis. Uh, Yeah, for sure. You know, you waste half an hour on Netflix choosing something. This is everybody does this you spend more time picking what you're going to watch than actually watching and cuz you have so many things you want to do uh like just now like today I had the day off like I said and I could have played a video game I could have gone and played some music I could have listened to some music what? so I I just, you just kind of get paralyzed and not sure of what you want to do I did have something to add about the quest thing though and uh it's a uh, there was a song I had heard and when I found that CD that had the song, it was it was like really a fun experience doing that. And it's so. Do you remember the show Roswell? Yes. Remember the opening song? No. Okay. So it was a song by at that time, a very unknown artist. And I had to look it up. I, I literally taped the show to pause it at the end to see who the artist was that sang the song. Cause it was kind of, it wasn't as easy as just going online. It was what, 1999 when that show was on. It wasn't just easy to go online and type in uh, the name of the show and finding who, who sings the song or whatever. So it was um, here with me by Dido. And it was before anybody knew who she was because it was before Eminem came out with Stan. And I had to find this disc, I, I, I finally looked up her name once I knew it online, found that there was an actual album to this, and I went to the HMV downtown, and I bought the disc for $23, which that was quite is, expensive. It, I was about to say, that is quite expensive. That is Australian d- prices. But at that point, I, I was a music fanatic, and I really wanted this song, so, and uh, we've said this before, I spent like $70 on a bootleg Alanis Morissette disc. So uh, it was 23 bucks, whatever. I How do you, by the way, we, have we ever discussed the, uh, the
0: song Alanis Morissette?
1: Maybe. That, that do, you rings know, a bell, do you know who actually. that is?
0: Okay. I will, uh, I'll send this over your way. We'll put it in the show notes. I want to get your thoughts on this next episode. Does that sound good? Yeah. Some homework. Thanks. <laughs> Always some homework. By the way, uh, uh, so two weeks ago, uh, we talked about hustle culture. We talked about the idea of what you wanted to do for a living. Had you not followed your path? Did you come up with any answers? I was hoping you forgot. Oh no. Because I have, I have uh, two very quick slogans for double density if you want. Okay, go for it. Double density, where your cosmic dreams come true. And double density of diskettes and spaceships.
1: Oh, I like the second one.
0: All right. <laughs> so you still have an idea of what you uh, what you would have done in like the alternate world?
1: Not sure. Not sure yet.
0: Okay. Well, I feel like this is uh, kind of an excellent you, uh, time. You didn't let me
1: finish my story.
0: Uh, okay, go ahead. I don't remember twenty minutes. Go ahead.
1: I don't even remember where I was anymore
0: you paid 70 bucks for lance that
1: oh yeah so i paid 23 bucks for this uh dido disc and ended up li- liking the whole album it's one of those albums i go back to every once in a while it's actually a pretty good album so uh highly recommended go listen to it do you know the name of the album uh, the album's called no angel okay perfect there we go yeah anyway it's a great album uh highly recommended i think it's her best but uh she's she still comes out with stuff she still she sure does. Uh, it's one of those things that pops up on the Spotify What's New Over Friday. Like this seems like the type of album that would. Yeah. Anyway, that album is from 1999, like I mentioned before, and uh, not as easy to find things on the internet uh, back then as it is now. I would definitely agree with that, which is why I am uh inviting all of our listeners to dox you. So uh before we go on, we just have to uh mention happy birthday to Brian. Oh, thank you, my friend.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, We're recording on February 13th, which is my birthday. Uh, With that in mind, uh, we're going to cut to a pre-recorded interview with my fiance Stephanie all about uh, our memories with video stores, uh, renting videos, uh, old movies we loved, video game preferences, and a whole bunch of other things. Then we'll get back here. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Double density. Welcome to a very special Double Density interview today. I am joined by my fiance, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hello there. So usually when I record, you're relegated to the other room. So this is the first time you actually get to like sit here and talk to me. I
2: know. I feel very VIP. Face normally, to face. Yeah. Normally yeah. I'm shuttled off to the you know, other realm, the gulag, yeah, the apartment exactly. gulag. Exactly.
0: Um, so the entire episode right now, uh, that we're doing is all about nostalgia. And since you and I started dating, we have like a strong, um, affinity towards nostalgia. I feel like you and I had, had grown up very similarly. So we have like a lot of, lot of similar ideas in terms of like what is fun and what we enjoy growing up. Right.
2: Oh yeah. Well, definitely. That's something we talked about many times in different forms, but I think, uh, we both were people who absolutely loved going to rent, videos at the video store.
0: Right. So this we, we kind of wanted to talk about the idea of visiting a video store, right? What did you like, where did you go as a kid? What kind of like did your parents take you a lot? Like how did that work?
2: So I think I think I used to really the thing that's different nowadays than when I think back to it is um the idea that going to the video store was an event. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be something that Friday nights we would like after dinner be like, okay, let's go to the video store and go see what you want to rent. So my brother and I used to go to a video store that was in our neighborhood and we kind of just like split up and be like the the agreement was always one movie for me and one for him. Our parents were very equal like that. Mm-hmm. So we used to just go. It was on a regular basis. And then essentially we never really worried about having to return them. That was more of a mom and dad problem.
0: <laughs> so like did you and your brother ever like uh, so you each rented your own kind of stuff. Yeah. But were there instances where you both rented stuff that you were both into growing up?
2: Uh, for sure. I mean, I think that Ace Ventura: Pet Detective definitely was one of the ones that he and I would rent multiple times with the two of us. So I think we were pretty agreeable because I would watch most of the things he would watch, and vice versa.
0: Like if you rented like, uh, like what is it, like Little Princesses or whatever? What was that movie? I don't,
2: little Princesses. Yeah, little like <sighs> Little Women.
0: No, not Little Women. There's a movie like okay.
2: Oh, the um, I know the one you're talking. Like, about. Hidden
0: Princess, Secret Princess, something about that. <laughs> Princess in the cupboard, <laughs> Crouching
2: Princess, Hidden Princess. <laughs> <laughs> the Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Or like Secret Garden. Or like or The Babysitter's Club, clubs. right? Yeah, well, of course I love The Babysitter's Club movie. Who didn't? It's fantastic.
0: But, have you seen it objectively as an adult, though?
2: Of course I have. I bought it when it was like 499 at Walmart and I was like, "What?" So did you like, bought it? Of course I bought it. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. And it doesn't really stand up, no. but it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> it still, you know, still holds a place in my heart.
0: So like, what was your ritual like? Okay, so your parents parked the car, presumably, right?
2: We we would either park the car. It would depend because if we went to the local one, we would just walk over. If we would go to Blockbuster, which was located a bit further away, we would drive. Um, so we would just go there and uh it used to be something that we would just like up there and then essentially go in and walk around and see what there was. And generally, we would try to go earlier if we could, because as we all know, there used to only be a limited amount of copies of a new movie. So right. it's like if you didn't get there to get it on the Friday night, then there just weren't any right. left.
0: My mom's my mom's strategy was to take us after school before dinner. So that way, yeah, that we, is a good idea. we would be in for the night afterwards.
2: That's a good one. Yeah, no, it used I think it used to just be something that we probably didn't always end up renting the new new movies. Mm -hmm. We used to end up going to like the three movies for five dollars section. Yeah. I feel um, like
0: um, the, a weird thing for me is like when you visited a new like video store, it was like visiting like a new library, like you had access to a yeah. whole cache of like videos and things. Of
2: course. And especially if you went to something like Blockbuster where they would have a lot of older movies. So I would say I went through a period where I rented a lot of older movies as we've talked about, you know, I went through a, an entire thing of renting all of Paul Newman's movies. So I watched like Cool Hand Luke. And, which
0: you said last night was like a depressing movie, it's which super, I agree. I mean,
2: it's super depressing but I was more like, oh, Paul Newman. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Did
0: you think he was like a dreamboat?
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. Like young Paul
0: Newman? Of course, he was extremely good. I'm learning something new every day. I know,
2: I know. But no, it was more, I went through a phase of watching movies that my parents had watched that I'd never had access to. And I felt Blockbuster had a really good selection of, I think they used to call them like, that's like the golden cinema or or something like that. Like on
0: cinema? uh, (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know exactly like that, but uh they used to they used to be very cheap
0: to rent so, so it was a great opportunity so how did you pick movies like okay you're standing in the middle of the aisle of like the not so recent movies right like how did you what was your criteria for like a good movie
2: i feel like i probably fell prey to the same thing i do for books where the when the covers look really nice you'd be like ooh, or with an actor that you would like um was there
0: anyone growing up that you were like yeah like as soon as you saw him or her a- like, on sandra the sandra bullock oh really like, oh yeah so you watch speed too
2: Oh, I unfortunately did watch it I would never re-watch it but like my mom I used to actually end up watching a lot of the things that my mom loves so my mom loves Sandra Bullock so by proxy I would like Sandra Bullock so I'd seen mostly all of the movies uh, she was in so While You Were Sleeping or Miss Congeniality or any of those kinds of Is
0: While You Were Sleeping the one with Chris O'Donnell?
2: No, that's uh, um, Hope Floats? No, that's no. Harry Connick Jr. Oh, right the one with that she's with Crystal O'Donnell, she's like a a nurse in the war, and I can't remember. Right. It escapes me right now. No, why you were sleeping was with Bill Pullman, <laughs> and it's very weird. <laughs> like,
0: Bill Pullman's such a nineties man. He's
2: a t- he's like Independence Day. Like if you think of Bill Pullman, he was like he was like the Tommy Lee Jones, you know, like yeah. that type of casting. Um, he, I mean, the story is weird. It's like she is into this guy, and he falls off the the subway thing in Chicago, and she he goes unconscious and she tells everyone that he she's his fiance and he's in a coma so no one knows any better and then she falls in love with her brother like his brother sorry Right, her, her brother. brother
0: would be weird that would be that'd be a twist that's
2: another part Isn't of like the video a, story do you remember
0: that movie Ranger Games with Ben Affleck yeah and Charlize Theron where like their brother and sister no like she's like her like brother and sister with the bad guy but then like it turns out they're not brother and sister i don't actually think and i ever that, saw them there's this movie. weird scene cuz they're out out you don't find out until afterwards so it's like super creepy to watch oh no
2: no no this was way more g rated okay. i mean it's Sandra Bullock she wasn't right. it wasn't like racy by any means, but it was very cute.
0: So when you see her like you're yeah, drawn I used to, to rent her. It.
2: Or like the Julia Roberts.
0: Okay. Like, what about like anything you stay away from?
2: Well, horror movies. Right.
0: Which I'm gonna get into in a sec, but yeah. Yeah.
2: Which I'm sure is a never ending sense of amusement for Brian that he would end up with someone. Who hates I have to wait movies. till
0: you leave the apartment to watch anything. It's true,
2: and I find everything scary, like it's even true. if it's not scary. I what make, were you scared about? the other night? you pre-watch. Yeah.
0: What well, were we watching the night? And you're like, this is scary, and it wasn't scary at all. I don't Probably
2: remember. anything that was <laughs> remotely creepy. And, you know, and I'm, and then I'd be like, oh my god, tell me what happens. Yeah,
0: that's the thing is you love to know.
2: Yeah, I, I'll look it up. Like I will. I don't understand why I want to know. Like I'll look up the different summaries because I'll be like, okay, I, I even though I want don't want to watch this, I still want to know what happened. And then I'll tell you that I know the spoilers, which annoys you.
0: You because you look everything up and I then you walk in. I heard this...
2: probably the kid that went and rented all of like the like the scary covers. Like yeah, for all sure. All the the ones that were creepy. Oh, yeah, I...
0: it, it, like if there was an alien on there, I'd be into it. If there was like a man in some kind of costume, I was into it. I've had an interesting name. Uh, I'd be into it.
2: I actually had a friend who used to go around the video store, and when she saw, she thought the movie was like too violent or inappropriate. She'd turn it around, <laughs> even though obviously the so police would turn it back.
0: She's like a videotape police.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like vigilante.
0: Right. For me, something that I would never look at would be like the uh, something I was like sorely disappointed in all the time, like all the direct to video like um, action movies. Right. Like there's like a whole like subgenre of like martial arts movies with like uh, like Billy Blanks, remember him the Taibo guy? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I remember yeah. him. And like Jean Claude Van Damme, like post ninety well, four. He, he was like
2: he that was his thing, or or what's it called? Steven Seagal.
0: Yeah, but Steven Seagal like post ninety four, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's that movie where he had to save the Northern Pipeline or whatever, and then after that, like he kind of like
2: yeah, like see, I would never have rented any of those uh, movies. Yes, yes. I mean, we although that was a time where action movies were really big because we used to rent movies that the whole family could watch, you know, that Well, one of your favorite movies is true lies. It's true. I do love true lies so much, even though it's completely ridiculous, but I absolutely love that movie. But, you know, I'm thinking of movies like air force one or anything like that. Like get off my plane. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was stuff that you would like, we'd all watch or like mission impossible or, you know, anything like that. Anything that wasn't too awkward. So that I would be watching with my parents and didn't
0: have to feel like I had to run out the room. What were you saying today? There was, an, there was, like, there was a, one of those um, uh, Silence of the Hams. Oh, my God. Was that it? So,
2: yeah. My dad really likes parody movies. So anything with Mel Brooks or any anything of that kind of genre. And we once rented Silence of the Hams, which was obviously a very bad pun of Silence of the Lambs. And there was just a really awkward scene in there. And... Like I was mortally.
0: There was like an adult object used on. Yeah, someone. there was an
2: adult object being used as a murder weapon, and I don't think I really knew what it was. But the way that my dad kind of was like, "Okay, let's turn this off now." I kind of did. He put it.
0: sports on instead.
2: No, he just turned it off and was like, okay, we're not going to watch the rest of this movie. So, that's something that kids now don't really have to worry about as much, I think.
0: Cause no, because there's so many criteria online, right? Like before, you I, Right, exactly. You can look
2: all this stuff up, or you're just watching it yourself on your phone or your tablet, so you don't necessarily have your parents in the room, whereas no. we had no choice.
0: Yeah. Well, you only had like one VCR, well, right, at that it. point?
2: So. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think I got my own TV in my room only when I was 16 or something like that. So. Yeah. No, it always had to be family viewing.
0: Were there any movies that you like rented a lot over and over? Apart from like uh, Ace Ventura, like, but just you specifically, not necessarily.
2: Oh. I love Death Becomes Her. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, with uh, the statue Bruce, Bruce Willis. Yeah, who I didn't even know was Bruce Willis back then because I didn't think I really knew. And Goldie Hawn too. It's but
0: it's a very violent movie. It's though. very
2: violent, but it was a movie we we seem to always watch at sleepovers for some reason. I don't know why. Death Becomes Her. We've talked about this. Drop Dead Fred. Right, which is like a totally but weird... why? I have no idea. It was like one of those times where it was it was a movie we watched The Crush.
0: Oh yeah, with Alyssa Silverstone. Yeah. Wow, really racy stuff. Really
2: dark. Yeah. So
0: when were you allowed to go to the video store on your own versus like when you um, go with your parents?
2: Well, I well hold on. Let's talk which ones do you which ones were on your rewatch list?
0: Like a lot of the like um uh Batman, like the night the Michael Keane Batman.
2: Oh yeah. The that scary one.
0: Ones. <laughs> well yeah, the scary one, yeah. Yes. Uh that was a big one. Uh Aladdin.
2: Oh my gosh. Well yeah.
0: Like most of the most of the the era like Disney stuff, uh Ghostbusters one and two a lot. Oh yeah. A hook
2: hook i loved hook
0: yeah but it was really weird now that i watch it's on a long movie but i always watch it in like three parts like it felt
2: long yeah because i think it was always something that was on tv yeah that's why there was so many commercial breaks yeah
0: because i remember it was it aired on ctv like one of our national chains here in canada yeah uh, one year and i taped it off there
2: yeah oh back but to the future too oh yeah back to the future that was a big like, one. one that i watched a lot like all the time was sister act oh of course i loved
0: sister act one and two
2: Two was okay. Back in the habit,
0: right? Did you own the soundtracks?
2: <laughs> I didn't, but we watched it so often, and we yeah. knew all the songs from it.
0: That was a yeah. That was a big. A, a lot of people I know actually like were, like watched Sister Act one and two. Yeah, a lot. it was
2: fantastic. It was it was a very interesting time for movies then because I feel a lot of movies that were very beloved by people were ones that everyone could watch. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't necessarily
0: very adult themes. Well, like, 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 like a Forrest Gump or like, yeah, even, I mean, like Gump. there were adult themes in there, but like a shock. Yeah, Redemption Yeah, I mean, completely
2: went over my head. I didn't right. really necessarily understand that Jenny, you know, what was going on right. there.
0: Um, Did you, so you, but you and I've had this discussion too, like you hit a cinephile period. Like,
2: Oh Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there was a time, I, I think everyone kind of goes through that where they're in their late teens, early 20s, and you're, you're like, I'm going to watch all these movies that, you know, for me, it was 80s movies, John Hughes specifically. Right. So I went through a, a blitz of watching *Sandy Almost Fire, and even though I don't think John Hughes did that one, but it was most of the people from his movies. Like and, The Brideback? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink.
0: A lot of what very problems. problematic movies, though, too.
2: What? Why? Sixteen Candles. Yeah, okay. Yes, for sure. Oh, problematic in the sense of... Like you meant like I thought you meant more like scary. Kind no, of. no, no, no. Like, no, no just not really.
0: The, the portrayals of people. In oh, yes. Which well, of fun.
2: course.
0: Like that sure. Molly Ringwald essay from last year.
2: For sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yes, they were very <laughs> problematic. So that's probably why when you rewatch them now, you're like, hmm.
0: Because um, I never, like, I've, as you know this, like, I'm I'm kind of snobby sometimes, and you love making fun of me because I own Criterions. Oh, my gosh.
2: He Yeah, you are very much into Criterions (laughs) because of the extras. There's, for, I don't know if everyone out there has watched the series Love that's on Netflix. And there's one of the main characters, when he breaks up with his girlfriend, she, like, throws out all of his Criterions. And he's like, they're so great because they have all these extras on them. And we laugh so much because you're the only one, I think, who cares about extras.
0: You know what? Let's find this out. Uh, Anyone out there uh, who owns Criterions on Blu-ray... double underscore density on twitter let me know like prove my fiance yeah, wrong. does
2: anyone actually like watching director's
0: commentary but you give me director's commentary sometimes yeah, like, no, when we, sometimes when we own... sit here and watch movies you love to narrate them
2: yeah it's very true and i tend to always offer my own insights on that he does it's like you get a director's commentary you never want from
0: someone who's never watched the movie before. yes a lot of the or time. i
2: may have read the spoilers ahead of time <sighs>
0: Which I, t- I told you likely. the story right about like when I was a teenager, I was watching American history X and my friend Evan had walked in and his dad had watched the night before. So he ruined the last like half hour of the movie for me. Just oh, like that. Really? He just was like, this is what happens. This is what happens. Well, and, like, and I was like, Oh, all right. So I have like a very strong yeah. distaste historically for that, that of course you are sort of continuing to do. I'm glad to be
2: of service. Another thing I think that's interesting from back then that I don't know if it's quite the same way now. And I think we've had this discussion where it's like movies that somehow traumatized you as a kid, even though they shouldn't have been scary in theory, you know, like for me, one of those movies is definitely the um, brave little toaster. Oh yeah. Like it's very creepy. What
0: about um, all dogs go to heaven? Oh
2: my God. But
0: th- those were like very big in that period. Like the, the teaching of, of mortal lessons.
2: Yeah. But it's these, it's these movies that kids would watch, but the content was so dark. And so, but you almost didn't realize or I mean, for me, it was the land before time. I mean, I, Cried uncontrollably when the right. little foots. Did mom you cry at the dies. Lion King? Of course I did. Any any of the ones where the Bambi, Lion King, any of those ones where something like that happened. I know a lot of people also find the never-ending Story very creepy, which I I, that, I yeah. liked it, but it's very dark.
0: Well, actually, right? Just the idea. Oh of like my floating, god! Even that that
2: horse sinking in the mud. I mean, mm.
0: you and I often like to talk to you about uh, the movie Blank Check a lot.
2: I don't think anyone remembers the movie Blank. You you probably, if anyone remembers it,
0: yeah, double underscore dance. Yeah, I'm sorry. remember because the kids like got the sunglasses down yeah. on the cover, of the yeah, VHS. yeah, like real, real attitude, yeah, real BAs. I also
2: they like to tell you the story that we got an advanced screening. My mom got tickets to go see blank check, and we went and they had a contest where someone was like, If anyone can run down here with a blank check, you get, I don't remember, some sort of prize pack. And this kid ran down, and I remember going to mom, I'm like, Why don't you keep any checks on you? and you're telling Oh, about twelve.
0: No. <laughs> Wait, you're twelve. No, <laughs> Go see blank. Check. blank check. Wow. I no, don't think you're. But talking. these are
2: these movies that no one cared about, like we talked about, like Dunstan checks uh, in, yes. and yeah, yeah, Ed, you know, the, the and like, movie? like
0: Richie Rich. Right. Well, yeah, no, Mac- Macaulay Culkin.
2: No, no, but it's these like weird movies. I mean, there's ones that I like, like Rookie of the Year oh, and yeah. uh, King, King, King Arthur's, King Arthur's yeah.
0: Court. Um, but apart from renting movies, you also would buy you would buy movies sometimes.
2: Oh well, yeah, for sure. We definitely had I had all the Disney ones uh, VHS. I've told you the story of me calling ahead to the video store when the Mummy Returns got released. What I, was it about that? I don't know. I loved it. The first Mummy, I was like, yeah, it's okay movie. But for some reason, the Mummy Returns it had every element that you could want, and it was so it was like action packed and really. Do you remember fun. how much you paid for it? I think probably twenty bucks. Okay. Yeah. Was it worthwhile? Well, I watched it a few times. So yeah, I guess so. At that point, I was like, yay, I don't need to re-rent this. Was that
0: like the last VHS you bought?
2: Probably. I haven't bought...
0: I only buy the weird ones. Like I showed you that Christian (laughs) Ventrugas dummy uh, uh, video, right? That I bought a couple years ago. Yeah, because that really
2: screams like, this is worth my money. (laughs) A quarter.
0: I need need to spend this. I'm not spending more than 50 cents on a video. That's true. I was actually at the Salvation Army last week and they had a stack of like, like tier 120 minute like but they oh, weren't yeah. labeled and yeah, I was kind of course. like I wonder what's on there
2: I know and we would tape movies from the TV. oh yeah
0: of for sure like when my grandmother would go away because we didn't have cable growing up so when my grandmother would go away my dad would let us pick overnight what we could rent, like like videotape yeah and then he'd come home with this like bountiful filled like vhs tape holding it over his head like oh, yeah. zelda like i'm um, sorry like link in zelda discovering something
2: it was I mean it was the thing to do when there was a movie that you especially would get repeated quite a lot on tv you know you just right. kind of
0: Something else it. that I feel like kids are missing these days is the ability to rent video games, right? Like, not just movies, but oh, video games.
2: Absolutely. I mean, and I think also the idea of... Um, I think what's missing nowadays is the idea of getting to see movies that you're a bit lukewarm about. Where we used to rent movies, and it didn't matter if you would... You know, pay for a movie that was, I don't know, $2 and you ended up watching it and it wasn't great. You're like, okay, great. Because that's the
0: threshold of like four to five bucks, like on Cineplex or whatever. And they don't have all the movies either. Well, that's exactly
2: it. And if it's not on Netflix or any of those other streaming services, you probably won't go through the trouble of ever watching that movie. No,
0: because you got to jump through so many holes. Exactly. So
2: it's kind of weird. I feel like I have a much larger repository of movies from the 90s because I used to see so many more. Mm Because it, there was nothing to lose. By there was
0: also the ritual of, like, finding a movie, picking it up, bringing it to the, kind of like, making that active choice.
2: Absolutely. Where I feel
0: like now when you go on Netflix, it's all kind of, like, the same, right? It's all weighted the same. Yeah. Because you yeah. might go through these problems where we'll go, like, for 15 minutes, we'll just click through, and we, we won't find anything that we're both agree on because we're just kind of, no. like, yeah, about so and many things. And I think things. it
2: has to do with display as well. Something f- about physically walking through the aisles and looking through the shelves and seeing, and then being like, okay, I'm not going to get that this time, but I'll pick it up next time. Mm mm-hmm. I think that's lost Mm -hmm. because things change so often and titles leave, which at the video store, I don't
0: believe the the turnover was that
2: massive that I think there would always be the same movies there pretty much. Yeah. So I find I think that's lost a little bit.
0: I just feel like the trying before buying thing, like what like you were saying a little bit yeah, before, geez, like especially with video games, right? Like I would love to, you know, I'd rent a video game a couple of times. Then my mom would see it on sale, like Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. is an excellent example. Classic. Like, I rented like six or seven times, and then my mom was like, she saw it for sale. I got it for my birthday.
2: Yeah, I think that part was great. Well, especially even renting movies was very economical for families. Yeah, it made sense,
0: especially if you had multiple kids. Well, like, that's
2: it. So we'd go rent movies all of us all together and it wouldn't cost much. No. And you usually get some popcorn over there. <laughs> I know you definitely. Uh, heck
0: yes. I had a friend who worked at the uh, Videotron, which is a chain here in Quebec. Yeah. mostly closed uh, when we were teenagers. And like sometimes uh, my friend Evan and I would like roll in and then she'd like be like, here's a bag just for free.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Uh, and it's weird because she was 17, but she had to go stock the adult movies.
2: Oh, my goodness. The adult movies where there was always streamers on the door. Right,
0: this are like a curtain. And yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Or it'd be like adult.
0: This, so adult. The, at the video store we used to go to. Um, so the one in like in my immediate uh, neighborhood, it was like a door you had to open. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Oh, they didn't even bother with us. They just put some party streamers, which you would think would make kids more wanting yeah, of to go in. But yeah, it, it wasn't very well protected. The other area. one had
0: a neon sign too, I remember. Oh like really? Adults, yeah. Yeah, or triple X. Yeah. So, but it was really weird weird because my teenage friend couldn't rent these, but she was shelving Work, them.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's really weird. Yeah.
0: But you you had a lot of fun with like video game related activities.
2: Uh, renting ones?
0: No video games. Like you went to go do certain things at Blockbuster that you were. Oh, yeah, it's very
2: true. So when I was a teen, I really enjoyed Pokemon, even though
0: So you have a Pokemon like phone card you showed me.
2: Yeah, I even have a Mew phone card, which is very... I I can't explain when I started really just liking Pokemon that much. Because funnily enough, I never had a Game Boy, so it's not as if I played it... I played it on an emulator later, but I never really played it when it was a hot toy to have. Um, But I I enjoyed the show, and I would rent... My brother had Nintendo 64, so I'd rent Pokemon Snap on it the most riveting game on Nintendo 64 ever made.
0: Well, so I don't know if I've ever told you the story. I think I have, but a friend of, of mine that you know quite well mm-hmm. uh, is a wedding videographer. Right. And we used to like try to get him to come over and played and like play other people. And then when he would not do as well, we would all yell at him that he was bad at his job.
2: That could take Poke- good yeah. Pokemon <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> based on his <those> Pokemon stat <laughs> pictures. We were like, your livelihood is oh, horrible.
2: It's honestly a perfectionist worst nightmare because I would go through, you'd go through the course and you'd take the pictures and you'd be so angry at yourself that you didn't get a better one. And, but Anyways, you printed them out. I did because Blockbuster at one point had a promotion where they had a printing, like a photo booth printing machine at Blockbuster for Pokemon Snap. And I actually went and spent money to print out the best shots that I had. It was, I don't know what Do you still I was have thinking. Them? I don't know if I still have them. I should look. Okay, But I, I definitely remember doing the printing. Right. I don't Were really you know. ashamed?
0: Like, did you look sideways? No, not
2: at all. I was just like, okay, I'm going to print out. My, I don't even remember how I printed them. I, would I have brought a memory stick. I don't even know. Yeah, because they
0: had they had a they had a way to but do that. But how it. did I
2: save that from Nintendo Six I don't actually remember how I did it.
0: There's like a blank in your memory. Something. But all you knew <laughs> yeah. is like you, you went from oh, like
2: I just remember taking a picture of Lapras. <laughs> I remember <laughs> getting said picture and being like, Oh great, now I have a bunch of stickers that I'll never use. So you're a true
0: Pokehead then.
2: I guess. Who's your yeah. favorite Pokemon? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know. You there's, want me to pause?
0: We can uh, we can pick this there's so up.
2: There's so many of them. The thing is it's like I'm not I was very <laughs> I'm very old school. I'm more uh, like uh, original 151 and then okay, so
0: I set you up with an emulator a little while ago to it's play. True, and I, I and you explained it. to me your like oh, your yeah, aesthetic gang. choice. Yeah, pretty gang. You-
2: pretty gang. I only want the pretty Pokemon. So it's like okay, Lapras, you make it. Rapidash, you make it. Bell sprout.
0: Right. So like a Hitmon or Hitmonchan, like no, no, forget
2: it. They're never getting on this. Okay. No, no, no. Beedrill. right? By... Psyduck? Nah, he's okay, maybe. No, I was very selective. What about a so Snorlax? Like, well, they're not the very most useful. No? I feel like we need to do a Pokemon-specific
0: Sure, <laughs> we, you, you can come back for that. The door's definitely <laughs> open for that, all my yeah.
2: expertise. Um, you can collect all your Poconotes. Blockbuster used to have a lot more choices of things, I guess, than the more neighborhood ones. Because right. the neighborhood ones would have, like, for example, the printing machine. That would have never been at a neighborhood mm-hmm. video store. It's more at one that's... a. Big box chain
0: like right. that. But the, the trade off is Blockbuster is like family friendly. So they, they didn't oh, yeah, carry right. anything that was unrated, even if it was that's like a, right. a, a G movie or whatever. Right. So I ended up going to the local video store for like the more obscure stuff.
2: That's true. I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily think I was one to be chasing the obscure oh, stuff necessarily. But you, know my,
0: you know my collector tendencies. Yeah, so
2: well, I get that. So for me, it was more, they used to generally have what I was looking for. So it was never an issue. But um, I think that was something that was very different with Blockbuster because they, you know, touted having 50 copies of the newest release. Whereas at the video store, your local one, you pretty much maybe had five. Right. So I, I, I remember specifically, a yeah, I remember
0: specifically going to one of the big box ones and renting Mission Impossible, like the original Tom Cruise yeah. one. And there was like, like 30 copies there.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, it was very revolutionary at the time. Cause I think it, the idea was most people had to, fight to get it but then it was like oh well there's loads of copies and
0: you which is like the weird benefit of like streaming is that you'd never run out of copies
2: that's true for sure i think i'm also just less aware of what comes out on like i'm always surprised if i'm on netflix sometimes i'm like oh my gosh this is already on netflix Mm -hmm. whereas i think i had more of a perception of when things came out from the movie theater to the video store because they always had like a coming Coming soon soon, like that kind of like in the window yeah so I think I, w- I was more aware of that. Now I just feel like, wait, didn't I just see that in the theater? Yeah. It's already here.
0: And the, so. the, the windows in between like release dates for theaters and like streaming and like for rentals, like, yeah. is considerably shorter now. Like it used to be like 120 days. Now it's 90, sometimes 60 days. Right. So
2: yeah, it's a lot shorter. But yeah, it's definitely things that we miss. Yeah. I, I think that I think ultimately what I what I miss the most is the sense of occasion that it had. Mm-hmm. And just the fun memories that yeah. I had. Of I think a lot of kids and, are going to miss
0: out on that, like this generation yeah. or la- last generation going forward into you know the future. Absolutely.
2: Whereas I feel now renting a movie is something very. I mean, of course, it's very convenient and we love it, and you don't have to. You know, you can pause it and watch it again next week, and who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think you're missing out on the idea that it was a family event yeah. too, and it it's was something special. that you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot linked to. I'm sure you had this where it's like, it's your birthday, let's go rent a movie. Of course. It's this, like, whatever, it's March break, let's go rent yeah. movies.
0: I feel like the choices are all the same, they're all kind of boring, ultimately. Like, when you're on a streaming well, service, there's no like go-to for me.
2: Yeah, and I think you have to scroll through a lot of things to find out what's available. It's not necessarily as evident as just walking down an aisle and being like, oh yeah, I haven't seen this, or oh, I didn't even know this movie came out. So that part is different. I mean, I think it has its pros and cons for mm-hmm. both ways, obviously, but...
0: Any last words about uh, video stores, video rentals?
2: I Just that I have really good memories of it. It was great.
0: Maybe I, after we get married, we can open one up.
2: Yeah, we'll just open up a small video store. And no store. one can rent
0: my criterions.
2: No, yes, because so many people will be clamoring for the extras. I've seen the movie, but not the extras. Listen, they do
0: restorations. Okay, <laughs> they clean up film prints. They go get those uh, director and like film historian commentaries that you can't get anywhere else.
2: This is why you can love them, and that's um, I love you. So I, that's all good.
0: <laughs> Stephanie, thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: <laughs> and the cat's bothering. <laughs> Double density and a huge thanks to Stephanie for uh, sitting down and doing that with me. Let me tell you, it was fun.
1: It was fun. I loved it. It was uh, really great to hear you uh, talking with somebody other than myself.
0: (laughs) I uh, I think we might have her on uh, later for a uh, a combined sort of episode down the line, perhaps. Yeah, and then you're going to have her
1: on more and more often, and soon I'm going to get Yoko Onod. You're worried about that? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it's anything to worry about, Angelo. To all of our listeners out there, though, um, uh, things we don't miss, um, you know, we'd be interested in hearing. Like, do you miss rewinding tapes, cassettes? Do you miss tracking? Uh, do you miss setting a v- VCR timer uh, to make
1: sure you record a show and then screwing up, which
0: I've been guilty of?
1: One, one thing I don't miss, although now I have other problems, is going to my parents' house and having to fix the flashing lights. On. Oh, for sure! Like that's the punchline of every comedian in like the '80s and '90s. But it was a thing. Definitely was a thing. When I lived that night with my parents, that never happened because it was all, I would always fix it. I still go around and fix flashing clocks in my house, but, uh, VCRs, not really a problem anymore. I think my parents still have theirs sitting out there though.
0: With that in mind, uh, we'd be curious to hear your thoughts about things that you miss in terms of ritual, things that you don't miss. You go ahead and tweet us double underscore density or uh, double density podcast at gmail.com. The uh, second thing I want to bring up is I recently saw a, uh, a trailer for a new Netflix special by Ray Romano and uh, your mentioning of having to go fix the VCR makes me think that that's probably in these specials because he literally makes wife jokes uh, in the trailer that I like that would sit well at home in like
1: 1989. I I, I liked Ray Romano's comedy. I haven't watched his stand up in years and i was never actually uh a watcher of everybody loves raymond oh well uh, that is a
0: huge surprise given how much you like other things of uh similar nature like what i don't know it seems like you like the big bang theory for for example right you like I, sitcoms. Watched
1: that, I watched that for a year a few years but uh, i don't know i stopped watching that stuff i i hardly watch tv anymore i watch only documentaries brian
0: I feel like that is the best definitive statement to make as we end things here on the tech section of episode 95 of Double Density. Angela, I will see you over in the paranormal side of things. See you there. Double Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. And this week, we want to talk about something that is a little off the beaten track, literally, a little scenic, a little beautiful. Angelo, I feel like you may want to uh, intro this one, though.
1: Well, I was watching the excellent, because I mentioned before, I only watch documentaries, which isn't true, but I was watching the excellent documentary, Unforeseen Consequences, a Half-Life documentary by Noclip. It's on YouTube. Really, really great. And there was a part where they were talking about the inspiration for Black Mesa, which was partially to Hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel like you have to explain what Half-Life is first off. Oh, come on. People know what Half-Life is, right? Uh, Uh, Half-Life 3 isn't here yet, guy. Okay, Half-Life is uh, the first first-person shooter to really nail having a story. Uh, you play Gordon Freeman, you uh, open an inter- interdimensional portal that, uh, by accident, and it kind of, le- kind of wreaks havoc on the entire Earth. So the place where he is is Black Mesa, and it was partially inspired by Sedona Valley. Uh, they mentioned the vortexes in Sedona, and the thing is they were okay, showing so- signs...
0: So um, uh, a couple of pronunciation things, right? So it's actually vortices, uh, not vortexes. Uh, Colloquially, it is known as vortexes. So you and I have to take a quick vote right now as we enter uh, this section. Are we doing
1: vortexes or vortices? I'm going to say vortexes because that's what's mentioned on uh, the official Sedona uh, website. Uh, And they realize, they actually call it out on the website saying uh, the correct grammatical pronunciation is vortices, but that's hardly ever used. That is a very good point. So this episode is all
0: about the vortices um, in Sedona, Arizona. Are you ready for this?
1: Yeah, I'm ready to talk about vortexes. <laughs> Are we going to have dueling grammar tonight? Like yes, one of us? Yes, yes. I know you're correct, but I, I feel vortexes rolls off the tongue better. Oh. <laughs> um, so I feel like we need to set the stage a little
0: bit before we talk about the vortexes themselves. Does that work for you? Yeah, go for it. So Sedona is a town in Arizona that's roughly uh, more or less populated by about 10,000 people, uh, created about a century ago in the early 1900s. It's pretty much like a gigantic tourist area for a uh, new agey kind of people. Um, and as you were mentioning before, the actual literal site uh, for the city of Sedona um, tourism board uh, has a whole page about vortexes.
1: Now in doing research for this, I actually learned what they meant by vortexes and uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised cuz I was I was kind of expecting it to literally be like a, a interdimensional portal and it's not that no but uh, it could be sadly um so I'm going to
0: read off from the the visit sedona website as to what they describe the vortexes Does that like does that work for you yeah So Sedona vortexes are thought to be swirling centers of energy that are conducive to healing, meditation, and self-exploration. These are places where the earth seems especially alive with energy. Many people feel inspired, recharged, or uplifted after visiting a vortex. Sounds
1: like they went to a spa.
0: Yeah, um a a large-scale spa of sorts, my friend. I think that uh, that is a uh, good way of uh, putting it. But yeah, basically it's these centers of energy that people kind of um uh feel something about um and come away change, right? So how did this all start? Oh boy. Okay. Uh so <laughs> So, uh, this town of 10,000 people, a lot of these people are actually are remnants of a, an event called the Harmonic Conversions, which happened in August 1987. So, basically, what it was, it was the world's first globally synchronized meditation event.
1: In looking at it, it seems to have the same uh, whole, like, End of the Mayan calendar mumbo jumbo that uh, we had in 2012, right? So it
0: actually is tied into the Mayan calendar a little bit. And it's also, um, so the chosen dates are because of the fact that the sun, the moon, and six out of the eight other planets um, all sort of aligned in a specific, particular kind of way, suggesting an opening. Um, so a bunch of people gathered there. So um, specifically in Sedona, 5,000 people showed up in order to celebrate the Harmonic convergence. And I feel like a lot of them um, did stick around. Yeah, they just um, never left. Yeah. I. So a lot of different accounts from different people um, visiting have that kind of like weird outsider look where they kind of are uh, amazed and uh, sort of like, a, you know how like um, Portland is like keep it weird? Yeah. I feel like that's the fake hipster way of dealing with things. And I feel like Sedona is like the real keep it weird.
1: Yeah, they got to keep their crystals charged and all that stuff. So uh, would it shock you to know that I'm not a huge believer in the whole crystal thing? That is not a
0: a surprise to me at all, my friends. But just quickly to backtrack about the harmonic convergence, just a couple of quick things to note. Um, People uh, gathered around in places such as California's uh, Mount Shasta, um, Mount Fuji, and uh, other places around the world that that were thought to be sort of like these power centers. Um, Mount Shasta in California... I think we need to do an entire episode on based on how much weirdness there is about that there. Um, suggestions of, uh, bigfoots or big feats, uh, as we've talked about before, living there, UFO settings, um, all kinds of like weird, mystical stuff that I feel like we need to spend an entire episode unpacking together. Just as a quick kind of side note, um, because Sedona is also kind of a little bit odd. It's funny and then a lot of the reading that I read kind of suggests that this uh, sort of feels like the real life Twin Peaks almost.
1: Huh. Yeah. Hopefully there's not too many murders though. <laughs>
0: No, I, uh, I definitely do not think there are uh, too many. Uh, something else to note is that, uh, you know, uh, Sedona is a place to see UFOs, if you'd like.
1: Now, that's the thing that really piqued my interest about it, is that they have guided vortex and UFO tours. So the vortex tours are during the day, and then the UFO tours are at night. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. This guy guarantees sightings. So it says it right there on his website, which is not loading right now because I'm trying to look at it. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a
0: woman. Uh, that runs a lot of these tours. If you want to head down, so I've included in the show notes a link to a TripAdvisor review um, that I want you to open up right now with me. Okay, Angela? Okay. And I'm asking you to look at these because there are pictures attached um, to the night vision UFO tour that they undertook.
1: Also, I just noticed that the Sedona UFO and Vortex tours like has a similar uh, very bad version of our uh, show art. Yeah, a little bit, eh? Except instead of beaming up a, a floppy disk, it's beaming up an alien, which kind of makes no sense.
0: <laughs> um, one of the really interesting things, uh, to note about all of this, of course, is the fact that this kind of strikes me like one of those Stephen Greer weekends.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking about. Um, now there's pictures. It looks like there's some lights that this person caught.
0: Yeah. I want you to go ahead and look at these four pictures.
1: So it's reflections.
0: They look like reflections.
1: Yeah. they. Ca- one of them
0: might be the moon. Yeah. Uh, one of them is a star. Um, I think there might be rods. You know, there's a whole bunch of really great stuff going on. Well, here. this
1: one with literally, there's ghosts. Do you see the one with ghosts? Yes, I do. Yeah. Those are not real. Those are people in blankets or something.
0: Or, you know, shots of the sky or bugs. Um, you know, like when you use a flash, bugs will show up.
1: Yeah. We, we discussed rods uh, briefly last week. It's true. They do look like rods. Yeah. I oh, know. They're totally rods. And there's orbs. It looks like there's a lot of pollen that night. I, you know what? If if it makes them happy, great. Uh, Just don't expect me to think that there's anything more than just uh, dusty desert air. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is a great place to see uh, UFOs, which I find are
0: really kind of um, interesting because (sighs) we're going to get into what these vortexes may be, Angelo. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about before is the concept of the ley line.
1: Yeah, you know, one day if we have uh, a Patreon or whatever service is available at that time, and people are donating money to us. Uh, I'd like to like uh, take a field trip to like some ley lines. Uh, if we get enough money, we'd go to Sedona. That would be kind of interesting.
0: Do you want to start a GoFundMe for like what? Like let's say like six
1: thousand, right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so let's talk about ley lines,
1: because we talked about that
0: in the episode that we talked about um, Disney stuff, right? So just to refresh our one, ley lines, according um, to one of these articles, are the grid patterns formed by drawing connecting lines between ancient megaliths, stone circles, and other ancient monuments. These monuments are said to mark the intersection of telluric energy currents, the natural electric currents that make up the Earth's magnetic field. Many have claimed that these areas are associated with increased paranormal activity or gateways for supernatural or interdimensional beings. Double density. Now let's get back to the Sedona vortexes specifically. Yes. So there are a couple of theories, right? So one of them is, you know, they lay it, um, so Sedona is atop a ley line. Um, the most famous ley line, of course, is Stonehenge.
1: The, the pyramids as well lie on the ley line, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, the Great Pyramids, yep. So there's a couple of, of larger areas, and this uh, kind of connects to that idea. Um, I also see that you've written down a bunch of uh, kind of explanations of what these vortexes, uh,
1: how they operate. Well, when I was doing the research, a couple of names popped out in terms of uh, having quote-unquote scientific explanations about what these Vortexes are. Uh, one person who came up a lot was Pete A. Sanders Jr. There was uh, He's like on a Nat Geotourism website talking about it. Now, he says the vortexes are not electric or magnetic. Uh, there's no major electric or magnetic field difference to them. And he says the labeling system is meant to be sim- symbolic and not literal. So he has, talks about upflow and inflow vortexes. Now, the upflow ones are associated with mountains and mesa tops. So You're up up higher, and it helps your spirit soar for a higher perspective and greater oneness. Uh, The inflow vortexes are, as you would think, valleys and canyons and caves, and they help you go inward, become introspective for prayer, meditation, and, and healing anything in your past. So they're great places for yoga. Yeah, I mean, they're great places to go for meditation or relaxation i'm not gonna i'm not joking about this i think actually they'd be a great place for for meditation it seems like it would be a quiet place especially at night if it's if it's not too cold you can um, really uh get lost in your thoughts there and maybe be eaten by coyotes i don't know but it seems like an interesting idea behind them so he's kind of looking at it as symbolic now there's another name i came across um his name is uh, Benjamin Lone Tree, which is a great name to be looking at uh, Sedona. He has a website called Sedona Anomalies, and he wrote a paper called The Sedona Effect Correlations Between Geomagnetic Anomalies, EEG Brainwaves, and Schumann Resonance by uh, himself and Iona Miller. Now, he's saying the opposite, that they do have to do with electromagnetic fields. So now who are we to believe here? (laughs) Um, So just quickly to know, like
0: the idea of magnetic fields, uh, as Lone Tree is mentioning, uh, also ties into the idea of ley lines, right? Because it's all the idea of like magnetic currents and things like that.
1: Yeah. The thing is, is I I don't really know what to believe here. I've never been there. So uh, I- Once again, folks, gofundme.com slash double density spiritual quest. Side note, like, I live near a mountain that has apparently, like, uh, geomagnetic properties and lots of quartz and stuff in the ground. Uh, We should maybe take a uh, a trip there one of these days and uh, maybe see if we can uh, do some dowsing or uh, lying or whatever it's called. Did Uh, you say dowsing or dosing? Dowsing, dowsing, like, you know,
0: like, dowsing rods? No, no, I know, but i I picture you dosing yourself, and I'm really amused by that
1: idea, yes, yeah, I'm the opposite <laughs> of that, and you know that, so that would be very, very odd for me to do. Let's bring the kids too, yay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like Sanders has a
0: really interesting idea that uh, he also kind of tries to so- tie, like, tie a lot of like scientific principles into this idea too, right? Um They kind of both do um in different ways. Like Sanders uh believes in string theory, which is a thing uh, that exists, but he's trying to apply that to here. You know, he's saying that we only know four of 10 or more dimensions. How dare we try to sort of, um you know, try to use uh, what we know at hand in order to explain these vor- vortices or vortexes. He seems
1: a bit confused though, because he's not the, like he's... Putting one scientific theory there, talking about quantum theory and string theory and all that stuff, but then he's saying it's all symbolic. And um, I, like, I hate, like, it's a logical fallacy. I hate it when people invoke quantum theory for anything, because usually when people invoke it for these types of things, they have no idea what quantum theory is.
0: It's true. I I just feel like it's kind of muddled because he also advocates the idea of using, uh, quote unquote, uh, and and this is a quote from him, everyday
1: vortexes in uh, meditation and healing. I wish I could have like an everyday vortex to just uh, get to work and not have to like commute. I would love to watch you try to figure that out, my friend. I think that's what they were trying to do with uh, Half-Life. I can
0: kind of see the lore of Half-Life sort of adopting different things. I do think that like there is um, something to be said about the way in which the uh, partake of um, the Sedona area um, and its particulars in
1: order to sort of like push uh, the story forward. I really was disappointed though, once I got into the research because they've just briefly talked about it in the documentary for Half-Life. And I, and I, when I saw that there were signs talking about vortices or vortexes, I don't know how to say it anymore. I've completely lost my mind. I was kind of disappointed to find out there weren't like actual uh, like portals like you see in uh, in uh, the uh, game that also takes place in the same universe as Half Life uh,
0: Portal and Portal Two. So here's a question for you, uh, kind of a chicken and egg kind of thing, right? So is this a placebo effect that people are feeling because they show up to the area, or has the area attracted people who therefore uh, feel certain things because they think they must?
1: Wasn't that the same thing? Uh,
0: no, the idea is like, does the place exist outside of people, or have people um, given that place power?
1: No, people have given that place power. Like it's just. Oh, you you think that's what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's not. I don't think there's anything. It's beautiful, that's for sure, and that in and of itself kind of makes things uh, more interesting when you go there. Just seeing it's, it looks like a different planet when you're seeing uh, those bases and stuff. It's so pretty. And at night, it must be amazing because there's no light pollution. So you're going to get these amazing stars and maybe see stuff moving in the sky because you're going to see satellites and uh, bugs and rods.
0: I hope that you end up taking a trip out there, becoming ba- uh, like a changed man and coming back to talk about things. Um, it is my, my hope for you, Angelo, uh, in 2019 that you discover yourself.
1: I'm starting to worry that last week's episode uh, has started us down the path of mentioning rods every week like we did when <laughs> we first started this podcast. I don't think it's going to happen next week, given what I think we're
0: going to talk about, but uh, you never know. I tend to, uh, you know, unsurprisingly lay on the side that perhaps there is something to be said about um, uh, magnetic centers. Not necessarily um, that they attract total power or the like, but, you know, there might be ways in which our bodies respond to different um, physical pressures, um, both seen and unseen, that make us think, feel, and uh, heal in certain ways.
1: Well, we literally both have magnets in front of us and on our heads right now. As we record this, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, maybe that's why I feel so weird when I record this podcast. Oh, you just, you just, you feel a tingle. Yes, I feel a tingle in my face.
0: <laughs> I in the, in the great this-
1: words of the weekend, I can't feel my face.
0: Wow. Okay, you were relating a song about drugs to uh, a song about awakening. drugs? Yeah. yeah right, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all that to say, like I feel like this kind of thing is, is more believable in terms of like a transformational experience than um, other phenomena we've covered.
1: Yeah, this I, I kind of put this up there with like Bigfoot where it's like, okay, maybe there's a possibility because electromagnetic fields do have an effect on human beings. And if there is a stronger force there, which is kind of evidenced, if, I'm going to link to um, Miller and Lone Tree's paper on this. And it's kind of interesting. I didn't read the whole thing, obviously, because I'm not going to do that because it's super long uh but i, I kind so
0: of one of the more one of the more interesting things is he also gets into um uh something that i don't necessarily believe outright but he talks about ESP at 1.2 um yeah, from what i was remembering from yeah. flipping over
1: yeah then like it, it starts to go off into the zone of that um paper we also discussed where you see those dinosaurs coming through the portals in new york city those are real government documents
0: my friend i know that's the crazy part But we did talk about, you know, black projects uh, and, uh, you know, the budgets for them versus this, I feel, is more so a uh, uh, sort of like an organic affair, you know, with people spending time um, putting things together um, on their own time, uh, unaided by... uh, Big brother. Double density. So something to, to sort of note that I forgot to mention at the outset is uh, the idea of the harmonic convergence, uh, you know, uh, tied into the mind calendar also was uh, the 25 year countdown to uh, December 21st, 2012. And obviously nothing happened there,
1: my friend. Um, so kind of kind of thinking, re- rethinking things here but they also kind of mentioned that those people back then were believing that it wasn't the end of the world and 2012 was the beginning of a new era of prosperity, peace and enlightenment which uh as evidenced by things that have happened in the past couple of years of certain people heading up to certain offices there's no late age of enlightenment here
0: no uh there is not Maybe we need to go through the darkness in order to uh you know uh, enter into the light. I do find uh planetary alignments or in this case uh, the term syzygy, right, which is what it is when three or more planets align um sort of fascinating. Yeah, that as
1: that is really cool. And I never get over the fact of how interesting it is that our moon is perfectly the same size as the sun in terms of the difference and how it covers it during an eclipse that that's that seems pretty rare. And again, uh, further proof, as I've mentioned, totally in a simulation. Absolutely. Uh, I want to hit the reset button. I don't know where it is. It's a big problem. I wouldn't know where to find it, Brian. I'm sorry to tell you. Once again,
0: gofundme.com slash double density spiritual quest. We're trying to raise $6,000 to send ourselves out to Sedona to really find out what's going on. We may even film a feature length documentary. We might scream gotcha over and over to uh, everyone we know. Who knows? Who knows? It's our money. We'll do what we want with it. Yeah. Hopefully we get some sponsors soon, Brian. We can uh, (laughs) use some money. I'm actually working on something. Uh, I'm not going to mention that right now, but I am working on something. Something's coming down the pipeline. Don't worry about it. Okay. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, I'll let you in uh, when uh, everything is almost said and done to get your approval. Brian's the the hustle guy in this crew. As you know, I just show up and talk. Yeah, but you also do a lot of the background stuff. You do a lot of the editing. You do the music. I do only the stuff I like. (laughs) Talking with sponsors, not my thing. (laughs) That's fair enough. Uh, and I feel like th- with that, I feel like this is a good place to end uh, episode uh, 95 of the Double dance. Do you have anything that, that you sort of want to add or subtract to the idea of vortices you don't necessarily believe in them? What do you believe in?
1: Um, I believe I believe in life after love, Brian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It It is as good of a mantra as anything else at this point, right? I uh, I want to believe that Sedona is a transformational piece. I've actually met um, two different people who have discussed um, uh, how calming it was. They didn't really necessarily get into the spiritual aspect of it, but they both had noted that they had spent time out in Arizona and that uh, it was, it's very special and different from uh, the way in which we live our lives.
1: Well, I definitely believe that it, it is a beautiful place to visit and uh, it would do anything that that type of location would do for vacation, right? Like if you go to a nice beach or if you go to a, a place like Sedona where uh, like I mentioned before, it doesn't look like anything else, really. There aren't many places like that in the world. That
0: is uh, quite true, my friend. And one day, maybe we uh, explore this uh, beautiful site. Once again, GoFundMe.com slash <laughs> spiritual quest. There are dashes in between double density Spiritual and uh, Quest. And with that, Angelo, yeah, will, uh, I'll speak to you next week as we explore the hidden depths of the most horrifying uh, idea known to man, my friend. What would that be? The idea that we actually might be alone. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> uh as always you can find us on the internet over at twitter double underscore density instagram at double uh, density podcast double density.net. click on the contact button let us know your thoughts about the harmonic convergence about sedona about vortices vortexes upflow and inflow vortexes in and out of the ground magnetic fields um all of that good stuff even esp let's talk about esp why not yeah esp great uh
1: and with that angelo i will see you next week my friend I predict I will see you next week as well. I'm using ESP right there.
0: The idea of the harmonic current, 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 current,